Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one that has come here tonight. And Lord, we just ask that you would once again use our time in your word, encourage us, give us wisdom and knowledge that we may live for you in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bibles, if you would, and open to the book of Second Thessalonians. We're going to try to just continue on in our study of the books of First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, most uh, people believe that the book of Second Thessalonians was written very shortly after the book of First Thessalonians, and one of the reasons for that is verse one. Uh, of Second Thessalonians is Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. And if you'll turn over to First Thessalonians 1, 1, it'll say the same exact words that uh, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were all still together. Uh, chances are uh, this book, to the second book to Thessalonians came while Paul was in the city of Corinth. Uh, possibly uh, there's a reference in chapter 3 that he would be delivered from, uh, let me get the right word here, uh, it says uh, unreasonable and wicked men. And how many of you remember in Corinth, uh, they had uh, a big uproar in the city and before the judgment seat and and all of those things were going on in the city of Corinth. And, and so uh, Paul was writing them. And when we get to chapter 2, we'll find the reason that this letter was written so quickly. Because somebody uh, had written a letter, signed Paul's name, and said things that just simply were not true. And so let's just dig in right here at the beginning we have Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timotheus, or Timothy, and the letter is addressed to the church. Now, the church that it was addressed to was the one that was made up of Thessalonians, or people living in the city of Thessalonica, and this church was in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the uh, problems that we have today is there are just so many different kinds of churches and so many different churches. Paul was writing to the church that was in God the Father, God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the city of Thessalonica, there was a group of believers meeting in the name, and you'll notice that now, Paul uses the term God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there were some Jewish people in uh, this church. It was not primarily a Jewish church, primarily a Gentile church. But Paul is bringing in both the Old and the New Testament. We're not uh, excluding any part of our Bible and his greeting was simply this, grace and peace. Now, grace, that's easy. 
The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to whom? All men. That's in the book of Titus. So, grace we have. You stop and think about God's grace. It is God's grace that we can hold in our hand the Bible. It's God's grace that we have all of this revelation. We can know everything that God wants us to know about himself. Yes, everything we need to know about God is written down in the pages of this book. I mean, if you stop and think about this, we have a whole branch of people who call themselves Christians that say, the Bible's not enough. We need new visions. We need new dreams. We need new revelation. And uh, you will hear me refer often to the TBN. That's Trinity Broadcasting. Uh, uh, you can look them up and, and they'll be there and the TV camera's on. And, oh, God has spoken to me. And, uh, well, God has spoken to all of us. In His grace, He's given us His written Word so that we don't need to go out chasing feelings and premonitions and hope so's and, and be, be very careful. As, as I've said so many times, I want to just remind you once again, the world is full of voices. And the most evil ones are the ones with the most truth. How many of you have ever walked through the store and you've seen uh, the, uh, the products there for uh, feeding mice and rats that might try to get into your apartment? And uh, we have an exterminator among us. He knows all about that stuff. And... Uh, Do you know how much poison they put in that stuff today? It's like 0.001% or something like that. It's almost all things that uh, the rodents would like to eat. You know why? Because they want them to get that little tiny bit of poison. Because once they get it, they won't be bothering you anymore. And uh, we like that. Amen? Uh, I always said, if you got a problem with mice, you just need to feed them the right stuff. Right? And, and, and they'll go away. And yet, I, I want to challenge you, the devil is not against working after the same pattern. How much, <coughs> excuse me, how much poison does he need to put into God's Word how much error does he need to add to the Bible to change it? Not very much, my friend. That's why these quote-unquote scholars are always arguing about the words. Because if they can change one, they can change the one next to it. And once they start changing the words, who becomes the final authority? Scholar does. We don't want to change one word. It's God's grace that He has given us these things. It's God's grace that sent Jesus to the cross. 
to Bethlehem's manger, then to the cross. And yet, it was God's grace that made the tomb empty on Resurrection Sunday. Amen? It's God's grace that Jesus sits on the right hand of God and ever intercedes for us. It is God's grace that He has given us this thing called a church. We should be so thankful for what God has given us in the fellowship of believers, in the organization of the local church. See, one of the things I want you to really pray about with Community Baptist Church um, was one of the, uh, uh, when they were without a pastor, one of the men in the church invited a retired preacher friend to come and fill the pulpit for several months, actually, during the summer. And I just found out last night that he was the former pastor of a Bible church, not even a Baptist church. And there's a lot of confusion in the church over what is true doctrine and what is not. Because just a... And and I don't believe that this man was trying to create confusion. I don't believe he was purposely trying to... uh, uh, subjugate the doctrine that the church had uh, believed and had been taught. But it happened. And now we've got to put things back on the right set of rails. We've got to clean things up. It's God's grace that gives us the truth. Amen? It's God's grace that allows us to continue meeting together and peace. Peace. What is the on all the Christmas cards? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That was the angel's message. How can you have peace, my friend? How many of you have uh, fallen prey to the hustle and bustle of general life? I was, I, I tried to take the uh, Long Island Railroad out. Uh, last night, so it wasn't a three-hour drive on the way out and an hour-and-a-half drive on the way back. Uh, I got the... I, I, uh, because of where the trains were, I figured, well, I'll just hop the subway and go to Jamaica, pick up the train there, save a few bucks on the fare. I got there one minute. Actually, I got there two minutes before the train came in, but the train was delayed one minute at the station. <laughs> And I mean, it was just, oh, I'm going to run up those stairs. And I got up there and people were looking and, uh, and, and everybody's looking at the empty track. And I'm going, did it leave? I said, which one? The, the, uh, the uh, 428. He said, oh, no, it hasn't gotten here yet. Oh, okay. And, and so I, I just made it. But then I got to sit down. And just relaxed for the next hour and a half while the train went out there instead of wall-to-wall traffic and taillights and all of that. So it wasn't so bad. But peace. You can't get peace in your life until you have peace between you and God first. You know, that's, that is the problem with all false religion is they offer you peace. Peace. If you do everything they say. 
How many of us are going to do everything that we're supposed to do? No, none of us are going to do everything we're supposed to do now, are we? So how can you have peace? And I've had people complain and say, well, you, you teach this gospel and we'll, we'll never measure up to Jesus. How can we have peace in that? Well, wait a minute. What, what happens in your life when you fail in your service for the Lord Jesus Christ? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can we say amen to that? You see, my salvation doesn't depend on me. It depends on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that finished the work. I can have peace with God that doesn't give me an excuse to disobey God's Word or do whatever I want to do. But I will tell you this. He'll give us peace if we'll just trust in Him. If you receive His grace, how many of you remember the day you got saved? The day you prayed and asked Jesus to save you. You accepted God's grace and what did He give you in exchange? Peace in your heart now, didn't He? And if we'll do that every day, God will work. And Paul is talking to a church that's had a very difficult time and we'll continue having a time here. And, and then Paul goes on in verse 3 and he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet. He says, It is right, it is proper for us to be thankful because there are some great things going on in this church. Number one, that your faith groweth exceedingly. You know, faith ought to grow. You ought to be stronger in the faith. Your faith ought to be more this year. I mean, that was the reason we chose these two theme verses. Rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith. And, um, wow, now my mind's going to forget here. And uh, ye is lively stones, I believe, right? And... uh The Bible tells us that Jesus puts us together and He wants us to serve Him. Their faith was growing exceedingly. Now, here's the proof of real faith. And the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. You know, when there is not love between members of a church, we know the Holy Spirit of God is not working. God will give us that love. That, uh, And by the way, charity is not just a warm feeling inside. What is charity? The working definition is love that does something. Love that is doing something. Love in action. And, and that's why we call them charitable organizations today. When uh, uh, a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter, those things, because people are taking their donations and they're using them to help other people. And it says that your faith groweth exceedingly, your charity 
of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Now here, you have to remember, Paul was still traveling. Chances are he was at Corinth. He was still writing letters to the other churches. And he said, listen, in the first book, what did he say? He said, your testimony has gone all over the world. Everywhere somebody talks about Jesus, they're talking about what's going on in Thessalonica. Now, I'll tell you what. If we can just take an aside here. Isn't that what we want to have happen at Open Door Bible Baptist Church? that people would be talking about what God is doing in and through our church. Amen? That, that's something that, that we should desire. And Paul is saying this is what was going on in the Thessalonican church. And so that they were glorying, they were rejoicing, they were giving glory everywhere they went, that God was working And verse 4 says, For your patience and faith. Now, how many of you remember how you get patience? James chapter 1. Right? Count it all joy when ye fall into what? Diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh what? How many of you like to have, I mean, we, we know the statement, we all love people that are patient with us now, don't we? And how hard is it to be patient with people? And so, Paul says, you have patience and you have faith. How did they have faith in the persecutions they endured? They did not let the persecutions moved them. They stayed true to the doctrine of God. Now, remember, Paul had only been with them a few weeks, but their faith had grown in the fact that they were as much as in them could possibly be. They were just living the words that Paul had taught them, that he had been instructed with Jesus Christ We do not know that Paul does not go into great detail when all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. You know, sometimes I I, I read a passage like this and I believe one of the reasons why they are so generalized and not specific is because if Paul had filled in all the details, we might say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, How many of you know the worst tribulations that you can endure when they're yours. Isn't that true? I mean, that's the difference between a serious event and a traumatic event, is it not? It's serious when it happens to somebody else, but when it happens to you, oh my, that is that is completely different situation, isn't it? Should it be? 
if we allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in us, we can understand and we can pray for others that are going through very, very difficult times. But we have to understand that if you're not going through a difficult time right now, if you're not enduring some persecution or some tribulation in your life at this very moment, I've got good news for you. It's coming. Because that is how we live in this world. And we're going to look into this just a little bit here because Paul's going to stop here and he's going to move on in the rest of the of the chapter right now. He's going to be talking about how God works in the lives of His servants, in the life of His church through this thing called suffering. And verse 5, he says, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing that it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and be and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul ends this chapter really the way he begins this chapter. He says that I want you to be filled and to be partakers of the grace of God. He says it's a manifest token. Now turn with me, if you would, to John 15. John chapter 15 and verse 19, let's just read along here for a moment. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying... They will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Jesus is telling his disciples on the way to Gethsemane that one of the marks, one of the manifest tokens of serving Jesus Christ is to have enmity, strife, or to engender the hatred 
of the world in which we live. Uh, if you want to know why I am so adamantly opposed to this purpose-driven life and this new Christianity that is out there is because what the purpose-driven life is, is shaking hands with the world. There's a, a, a fellow years ago came up with a program to start a church. He said, we're going to do survey work. And he sent a team out, hired some people to come and help him. And they went into a community. And the first question is, if you were to attend church, what is the most important thing to you? And there came back a variety of things. One was good music. Uh, one was to uh, an exciting service. And this is where the seeker-friendly church was built. You see, he designed a church that would please or entertain the world. What did Jesus just say here? He said, if they've hated me, they're going to hate you. I'm telling you now that people are going to persecute you in the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? They get on the news and, and, and they'll say, you know, there, there's just too much division in the body of Christ. These people that think that their doctrine is the only one that's right. Well... Wait a minute, isn't that exactly what they're saying? That their interpretation is the only one that's right and that everybody uh, that refuses and, and, uh, to believe anything and to have no doctrine? Well, Jesus taught very specific things, did he not? It was Jesus that had just said a chapter before, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Paul is reiterating the words of Christ here that if you're going to serve Christ, you're going to engender opposition from those who don't want to serve Christ. We do not want to try to meet the world we want to give the world the message of Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 1. And remember, Philippi was not far from Thessalonica. And Paul was beaten there and thrown into prison. And some of the same people came down and persecuted the Christians that were in Thessalonica. So in the book of Philippians chapter 1... Paul is explaining some things to them. And in verse 28, well, let's do verse 27 as well. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And, of course, the word conversation in our King James Bible means more than just your speech. It's talking about your entire lifestyle, your entire testimony as it was with the world be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, verse 28, and in nothing terrified 
by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. You know what? We don't need to change the Word of God. We don't need to change what we believe. we just got to follow on. And Paul is saying this is a manifest token. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, that great chapter starting out with there is therefore now no condemnation. We get down to verse 17 and it says, And if children, then heirs of God, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We get tired sometimes. We just say, why, why do I have to put up with all of these things? Why can't we just uh, put down the, uh, the differences? Why do we have to continually press towards the truth of God's Word and show the differences? And why do we have to be so different here? Because God is different than the world. We're not here to join the world. We're not here to be pleasing to the world. We're here... To prepare for eternity. Now let's go back to the Second Thessalonians, if you would. Second Thessalonians here, and we're still in chapter one, trying to work our way through here. And we get down to verse six, and it says, "Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you." So he says, "Listen." Those people that are troubling you, God is going to make a recompense. Now, the word recompense is just simply means a reward or a repayment. Uh, But how many of you need me to tell you that this recompense that Paul is talking about here is in a negative sense? A very, very negative sense. Paul says that it's a righteous thing with God that those people that are troubling you, God is going to recompense. God is going to pay them back. That's why it's so important that you and I don't allow other people's behavior and words and actions to make us bitter. Do you remember what God told Samuel? He said, Samuel... They haven't rejected you. You're just the prophet, but whose prophet are you? He said, Samuel, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. You're just the one that they poured out their vitriol on. And we need to remember that when people are just adamantly opposed and trying to hurt us, they're trying to injure God. Can they injure God? No. Can they injure you? Oh, yeah. They can. But, listen, you can rest in the Lord. Jesus is returning. 
We're not glad. We do not glory or get excited about the fact that they're going to get theirs. No. Do you want anyone to be judged of God? You know, it says a fool's mouth calleth for stripes. Because the fool forgets that he has offended God himself. Amen? We have failed Him and we need to be careful with our relationship with God. And we need to understand that when people oppose us and try to hurt us, that we can identify with Jesus Christ. It says that you can be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. If they persecuted Jesus, they ought to be after us as well. And that one of the marks of true Christianity is hatred by the world. Uh, The Bible says, Woe be unto you when all men speak well of you. And in verse 7, Paul reminds them, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Paul said, We are resting in the fact that Jesus is coming back. That Jesus is the righteous judge. That Jesus is going to take care of these things. He is going to weigh the balances evenly. And please, don't use the word fair. Nothing is fair. Nothing ever has been fair. Nothing ever will be fair. Uh, What we want to do is serve God and rest in Jesus Christ. And now... Paul is going to go on a, a uh, explanation here, and I, I want to bring this back, and I want to remind you as we read these next few verses here, go through this, the book of Revelation wouldn't be written for nearly 50 years. Paul was not quoting the book of Revelation, but the things that he writes about here fit perfectly in the Olivet Discourse that Jesus gave as he gave a scope and a sequence of the end times, and it also fits perfectly with the book of Revelation. It says here that Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not talking about the rapture of the church, my friend. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. What? The Lord shall descend from heaven with the, voice, with the trump of God, the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. That's the rapture of the church. Here, Paul is referring to Jesus' return at the end of the tribulation period, where he is going to judge the, the world. He is going to, in flaming, um, uh, taking vengeance on them that know not God. It says in flaming fire, and the book of Revelation describes uh, Jesus returning from heaven and smiting them with the sword that goes out of his mouth. And it says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Now, we could read over this and it says, 
They're going to be taken from the presence of God and destroyed with everlasting destruction. We have the lake of fire being the final abode of those that have rejected God's salvation. But I want you to understand something. The greatest punishment that a human soul can endure is to be separated from God. That's what Paul's saying here. Have you ever stopped and just thought about what the presence of God does in the life of the believer? Should do in your life each and every day. Uh, I told the story more than once, I'm sure, about witnessing to a guy up here at Socrates Park and he was talking about, well, I can't believe in God because of evolution. And so uh, I gave him a few reasons why that evolution couldn't possibly happen and it makes no sense. And, uh, and uh, he, was, he said, yeah, but you Christians, he said, you just put God in the equation and everything works. And I said, you got that one right, my friend. That's what it's talking about here. I will never be separated from God. Those that are fighting against God, those that are persecuting us, those that are troubling us and trying to make our lives miserable. And we have this every, uh, every day. I mean, you, you listen to the words uh, of, the, of our politicians and our society at large. Uh, they are trying to legalize recreational marijuana in the state of New Jersey. Uh, it's already gotten out of the first committee and pretty soon uh, they're, they're more than likely it's going to pass. I haven't heard the, the recent efforts. Uh, uh, be encouraged. Nancy Pelosi now got all the votes to become the Speaker of the House again. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, it, I'll tell you what, it breaks my heart as an American to say those words. Vicious, lying communists. You ought to be in jail for what happened during the Kavanaugh hearings. Those are criminal offenses unless you're a member of Congress. But goes on. You know, these people really aren't fighting against us. They're fighting against God. And one of these days, Jesus is coming back and they're going to be separated forever from God. That's why we need to pray for them. Not that God would judge them and even some come quickly, Lord Jesus, give it to them. That kind of spirit is not in your Bible, my friend. I can put up with what they are doing Because as long as they're alive, as long as Jesus hasn't come back, they still have another day, another opportunity to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus Christ. You know what that does? That makes me invincible as far as the world is concerned. They cannot quiet us. Think of the words of our governor. If you don't believe in abortion, you have no place oh, oh, politically in New York. That's not what he meant. 
He dreams of a state where there is no opposition to any of these evil things that they perpetrate. But let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. And he is going to take vengeance on them. They're going to be punished with everlasting destruction. But the greatest punishment is going to be separated from the Lord and from the glory of his power. Look at verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Do you get what that says there? When Jesus comes, he is going to be glorified in his saints. That means he's going to take your life and give your life story. And people are going to say, see how good Jesus is? Now, that ought to change the way we live, shouldn't it? This is what eternity is going to be about. This is why they cast the golden crowns at the feet of him that sits on the throne. Because God is good. He is going to be glorified in his saints. And he is going to be admired in all them that believe. You know, people make up a lot of stories about heaven and what they're going to do when they get there. I'll tell you what we're going to do when we get to heaven. We're just going to go. Wow. We're not talking about golden streets. We're not talking about the river of life. We're not talking about the new Jerusalem. We're talking about looking upon the King of glory. That is what heaven's going to be about. Giving honor and praise and worship to be admired in all them that believe and to understand all that Jesus has done for us. We, we think we know what Jesus has done for us, but I will tell you when we get over on the other side... We are going to understand all of the things that we don't even, uh, aren't even aware of. You know, we live in New York City. And New York City is a city of sudden death, is it not? A car jumped the curb the other day in Chinatown because a guy stepped on the gas instead of the brake, killed several people. Uh, there's always uh, reminiscences of... Uh, how wonderful things were in New York City in the 70s when everything was by uh, uh, the mob controlled the building department and all the things and everything was graphed and you paid to play and all of those things because you'd be walking past the building and all of a sudden uh, bricks start falling off the front of the building and kill somebody. Uh, I mean, these things happen regularly in our city. Aside from the crime and all the other things that go on. Listen, we're going to see and we're going to understand how many times we came this close to eternity and God protected us. See, we're going to admire. We're going to really understand all of the things that God has done. 
your service now. Here's what Paul says. Because our testimony among you was believed. He says all of these things are going to happen in that day when Jesus is revealed because you believed our testimony. What we do to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to live for Him each day is going to determine our participation in that admiration and in that glory that we give to Jesus Christ. And so... Paul ends this chapter by saying, Wherefore also we pray always for you. He said, we're, we're praying for you. He said, we give thanks for you at the beginning here. And he says, now we're praying for you. What? That our God would count you worthy of this calling. Now, how do you get counted worthy of this calling? Get ready. Means you've got to suffer. We don't know what the Thessalonican church was going through. But it was of enough severity that what was going on in Thessalonica was making the newspapers in the Roman Empire. Uh, The news was spread about in the land of Asia, which is modern-day Turkey, and, and spread throughout the empire so that everywhere there were Christians, they had heard about the persecution and the suffering of this church. And the Bible doesn't give us any of those details, but it says that Paul, Paul is praying that this church is going to be worthy of the calling of God, which means that you have to get through the suffering first. So take courage. What's the second one? And fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Have you ever thought that God, in putting you through difficult times, is proving His goodness and His power and His long-suffering toward those that are unsaved and rebel against Him. That's why you need to uh, read First Peter 5. It says we're to resist the devil steadfast in the faith. We understand that the trying of our faith work is patience, that the, the suffering that we endure in this life is not to be compared. We've got... Uh, the the story of Jesus and is related in Hebrews chapter nine, where he is uh, believes that it is righteous and just to call us his brethren, and yet he's the one that suffered, not us. The little bit that we endure is nothing, but that the word of faith, the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him. How's that happen? God's grace. You know, there was a lot going on in Thessalonica that was not good. But God's grace, as He told the Apostle Paul later in the, in the, through the letter to the Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for thee. Could we understand that the difficulties that we face 
the persecution, the, the trials, the, the uh, attacks of ungodly people. It's part of the marks of being a true servant of Jesus Christ. If the world loves us, we're doing something wrong. And we don't fight the world the way the world fights us. You see, the work of faith in power is not paying attention to the world. It's paying attention to Jesus Christ in spite of everything that goes on around us. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We ask that these words, Lord, they're, they're not the most pleasant words. Words that talk about persecution and suffering. But Lord, that you would take our minds and our joy and focus them upon Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would understand that if we're going to glorify you in heaven, there's got to be some difficulty here on earth. If our faith is going to have power, it's got to have power over something. And Lord... You'll give us grace that you may be glorified in us and, Lord, we in you. Help us to live these verses, Lord. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. If you need to...